Thank you for joining us on the Waymaker Church podcast today. We hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and makes a way for the new and deeper with Jesus Christ in your life. Enjoy. Uh, We are going to be in Luke chapter 10, the gospel of Luke chapter 10, and Ephesians chapter 6. If you have a physical Bible, we will also have the scriptures on the screen. Today is our last uh, week of the This Is War series, and we're going to get into that. I was flying out of Denver, Colorado this past week. Yeah, come on, Denver, represent Maha City. Yeah, you guys got a good basketball team this year. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So anyway, we're flying out, and I get that familiar sound over the loudspeaker. This is your captain speaking. And, you know, he wants to let us know that he's competent to to fly the aircraft, which, praise God for competent pilots. <laughs> a few of you are like, eh, I don't care. <laughs> Whatever. So he, he lets us know, you know, that, that he, he's glad that we're here on his aircraft and, you know, the, the, of course, the team's going to take care of us. He just says, hey, just so you know, when we fly out, when we, when we get in over the mountains, uh, it's going to be a little bumpy. It's going to be, there's going to be some turbulence. So he's letting us know it's going to get a little crazy. So listen to what has already been spoken to you by the steward team, and that is buckle up. Buckle up and be ready. He wants to forewarn us of the turbulence. And I think that's very important because we all need that sometimes. We all need to be aware that sometimes the aircraft can get a little bumpy so that we're not caught sleeping or we're not unaware that we're going to be okay, but it's going to get a little crazy. So I want you to look to the person beside you and say, it's going to get a little crazy. Just tell them that. Just say, it's going to get a little crazy. It's going to get a little crazy. This is your captain speaking. Because today, we're going to grapple with some things as a church. And I really don't know what's going to happen. I don't. We're going to talk about some things about dark forces. We're going to talk about the demonic. And whenever you expose darkness to the light, things happen. You have my permission, right? Unlike being on an aircraft, you can actually leave. Uh, So you have my permission. If you get a little, if the turbulence and the crazy gets a little too much for you, you can walk out. You can walk out. I, I, I understand that. Um, I do want to encourage everybody, though, that the word that we're going to look at today is for the church. So if you believe and follow Jesus and you have the Spirit of God in you, and you just sang those songs and said, yes, that's me, then lean into what we're going to talk about today. Jesus, in the Gospel of Luke chapter 10, is bringing back what's called the Harvest 72, or what I call the Harvest 72. He sends out 72 people who follow him, And he gives them authority. He gives them the authority that has been given to him. The authority that he operates in, he gives to these men and women who go out into the highways and the byways. And out of that authority, they start proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. They start being forerunners, foretellers, if you will, and practitioners of what we today are the church. And so they come back after this time together And Jesus is listening to their report. So what happens? It says in Luke chapter 10, this. It says, the 72 returned. And how did they return? With joy. Man, they're fired up. They're high-fiving each other. Man, they're trading stories. Man, and this happened, and this happened. And what are they overjoyed with? They said, Lord, even the demons, even the demons submit to us in your name. So what comes forth from their report 
It's that the demons, in the name of Jesus, submit to them. The demons submit to them. That's like the first thing out of their mouth. Why, why is that so strange or why is that so overwhelmingly joyful for them? Because here's what we have to understand. When we look at the demonic, these are people who've all their life lived under the Old Testament. The teachings of the Old Testament and the prophets, the priests, the, the poets, and the patriarchs, they've, they've grown up under that. And what we see in the law of Moses is that it does, it does talk about the demonic. It does talk about the, the, the dark forces in this world. But, but the law is mostly about prevention. It's mostly about, hey, stay away from witches and sorcerers and, and, and Harry Potter. No, I'm just kidding. I just, he doesn't say that. It was like, I'm done. I'm, that's it. Don't mess with my Harry Potter. Okay. It's all preventative, though. It's, it's just saying, hey, don't, don't hang out with these, these sorcerers, these witches, these, these people who, who operate in, in the dark arts, if you will. And, oh, by the way, if something does happen, there is this occasion where a priest can address it. Well, by the time you get to the Gospels, by the time you get, I mean, this is, you know, centuries later, you, you start to realize that it is very, very, very rare that anybody can do anything about the demonic. Now, it's happening all over the place. And, and towns and villages that have someone who is demon-possessed, they just sort of relegate the person outside the city and just say, oh, well, that's just the, the crazy demonic person, and there's really nothing we can do about it. Well, all of a sudden, Jesus comes and announces the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And in Mark's gospel, the first thing he does is cast out a demon in the synagogue. And then what does he do? He, he starts to gather the followers and disciples, and he says, okay, you guys are going to go out, all 72 of you, and you are going to have authority, and one of those things you'll be doing is casting out demons. And so they're like, whoa! Even the demons submit to us. In whose name? In Jesus' name. It, it keeps going. What, what does it say next? It says, verse 18, he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So what does Jesus do? He goes back to the origin stories of Satan. He was the angel of light. He was Lucifer. He worshiped Yahweh. He rebelled against Yahweh along with other angels. He was cast down out of heaven onto the earth where he was given some dominion to operate. Jesus says, I know about this. I was there when it happened. Hmm. What happens next? Verse 19. I have given you authority to trample snakes and scorpions and to overcome the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. What is he talking about? This is a, an illusion. This is a parallel. This is a metaphor of the demonic. Listen, you know this and I know this. Nobody is going, oh, look at that scorpion. He's so cute. Right? We reserve that for golden doodles. And puppies and kittens. No, I'm just kidding, not kittens. All right, somebody's leaving. It's like, well, Captain, I'm leaving. Right? He says, authority to trample snakes and scorpions, to overcome the power of the enemy. Who? Satan. You've been given this authority. And listen to this nothing will harm you. These dark forces cannot harm you. You've been given authority. But then he adds something. And, and Jesus always adds something to the mix. You know, everybody's celebrating. Everybody's like, yeah, oh, yeah, this is awesome. High five. Then he says, however, however, oh, Jesus, what does this mean? 
However, do not rejoice that the Spirit submit to you. What? I thought we were just high-fiving about this. I thought we were just overjoyed about this. I thought you just affirmed this, Jesus. Yes, I did. However, do not rejoice that the Spirit submit to you, but rejoice, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. What is Jesus saying to this group of people and the forthcoming church, which is you and me? And this is big, this is big. The church versus the demonic. This is so important. The church must confront demonic powers confidently and properly. Confidently and properly. And we're gonna get to that. But rejoice in the gospel ultimately. See, Jesus knows that when he gives us authority and we operate in that authority and we see the results of that, that we would be tempted even then to make that the point and not Jesus. Let me say that again. Jesus knows even in the gospels, before the resurrection, before Acts chapter one and two, when when the church is born, the Holy Spirit comes, he already knows that we will make the authority that's been borrowed to confront, to discern, to confront, to cast out scorpions and snakes, right? the demonic forces of this age, he knows that if we are not cautioned, if we are not in a sense instructed correctly, that we will actually make that the point and not Jesus's death, resurrection, and coming again, that he has eliminated sin, evil, and death. It no longer has a hold on me. He says, I want you to go in this authority, confront it, but do it properly, and do it confidently. Here's what I wanna say to you today. It's gonna get weird. It's gonna get weird because we're calling out some things that are right here in our midst. Go to Ephesians chapter six. Go to Ephesians chapter six. Here's what we need to see. Church versus the demonic. Church versus the demonic. To battle Satan around us is to bolster Christ in us. And Jesus says that to battle Satan around us. We do that with confidence and we do that with, with the proper heart and the proper motivation. And what happens? It bolsters Christ in us. When demons are cast out, the authority of Christ must come in. About four weeks ago, my son Chase and I, who was playing keyboards this morning, we did a, uh, a revival for a, another church here in town. And uh, I preached the message and and at the very end, there were these girls who were invited by somebody in that church. They weren't believers, uh, but they were invited. And, and, I, and I, I, I could see them the whole time I was preaching. And I was talking about some of these things that we're talking about. And um, at the very end, you know, we dismiss and, and a lot of people leave, but there's some deliverance that's happening. And one of these girls who came, she came from another city, um, was being delivered from demonic strongholds and demonic forces that were possessing her. And my son Chase is uh, playing on the keyboard kind of over this whole thing. And I can see him and he's looking at me like, what is going on? And after which this girl who came in there uh, tied up in chains was sat there on a, on a chair in, in peace. She had been set free from the demonic. Right there, yeah, come on, come on, yeah. Now, 
I, I went over to her, and, and the, the team that was working with her said, do you want to speak to her? And I said, yes, I do. And so I spoke to her, and afterwards, my son Chase comes up to me. He says, hey, what were you, what were you saying to that girl? Like, what was, what was up with that? I said, well, she had been delivered, and, man, who knows how many, how much was in there, right? Um, but I had to make sure she knew that a greater authority had to take the place of that. And so I led her through the gospel, she received Christ, and she said, Jesus will be my authority the rest of my life. Come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So why do I share that with you? Here's why I share that with you. Because Jesus himself said, when a house is swept of the demonic, right, that if a stronger authority doesn't stand in its place, those demons come back sevenfold. This is Jesus. This is who, who saved us, who whose resurrection power is in us and who is our teacher and our authority. He says, you need to know this, that when something is cast out, something greater has to take its place. And that is a greater authority and that is the authority of Christ. Why? Because we all know the story. And you may not have, have called it like this, but you saw you know, the lady at, at your church, uh, Karen or, or Kevin, right? And Karen got set free from an addiction, an eating disorder, or I don't know, an, uh, you know, maybe a spirit of adultery was on her, and she came forward and she confessed that. And the same thing for Kevin. You know, he, he, was, he was renouncing things and he was set free. And what happens when they walk out in freedom? They go tell people, you know, I'm set free from this and I'm set free from that and hallelujah. And, and, they, and they're carrying their Bible to work and to the break room and they're reading it. What happens though is that there isn't, a submission to a greater authority. And so, as Jesus predicted, those demonic forces come back sevenfold. And weeks later or months later, Karen or Kevin or both of them are living out that stronghold even, even greater than before. And they're walking in darkness. And the enemy is saying the whole time, I mock you, Jesus because I got that one back. So here's what I wanna to say today. Uh, I don't know what's gonna happen. Okay, even right now as I'm speaking and as we've sung the name of Jesus, there's oppressions that are being disturbed. Oppressions that are being disturbed. There's someone whose who's confused mind is being clarified. There's someone whose depression is being lifted. And there's a battle going on. This means war. And we're going to confront it. We're going to confront it. Now, I want to tell you why we don't confront it. And it comes down to this. Um, there was a snake on my porch Friday. I was reading my book out on the, on the front porch. I didn't know that there was a snake coiled up on the wall um, right above me. And it got hot, so I went back in the house, went to the back porch. Uh, Wiley, who's one of the academic students who live with us, uh, comes out onto the porch. He said, hey, what's your opinion on snakes? I was like, well, you know, they, you know, part of creation and they eat rats and mice. And you know, he said, no, what's your opinion about them getting in the house? I was like, well, I don't want them to get in the house. He's like, well, there's one out on the porch. So I went out to my shed. I got a, a shovel, a pitchfork, and a, a five iron. Because you need options, guys. You need options. And Wiley's going to meet me on the porch. And so by the time I get back up to the porch with the weaponry, 
my son Chase has, has shown up, and he's like, hey, what are you guys doing? And I give him the five iron, and I was like, hey, just watch. We're going to do this. So it looked like kind of like we were like Ghostbusters and Goonies together, like a combined, right? Maybe a big hero six for the young generation, right? So we're just kind of these misfits trying to, to go to battle with this snake. So I have the shovel. I fling the, 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 the snake off of the wall. He immediately slithers away, and we chase after the snake. So we're the three of us the big hero three, we're chasing after the snake. He gets off the porch. I pin him with the shovel, but I don't kill him. And he strikes up at the shovel. And I'm like, uh-oh, we, have, we did not kill this guy, and I don't know what to do. And Wiley's like, well, just let him go, and I'll, and I'll get him. I'm like, no, I can't let him go. He says, just let him go, and I'll get him. So I, I let the snake go, and sure enough, he slithers away and up the gutter pipe, heading towards the roof, and then into the house. And I said, heaven, no. Okay, I said, heaven, no, not, not today, not today. So Chase and Wiley start banging on the, the pipe, try to disturb it, try to irritate it, try to disrupt it. Sure enough, snake slithers out and he is ticked. But before he can strike us again or try to, Wiley takes the shovel and takes his head off. Come on, Wiley, are you in here? Where's Wiley? Yeah, he's not in here. He was in the first service. Yeah. So you need to go you need to give, get, give him some high fives, and, and if you need tips, let him know. So he shovels up the corpse of this dead snake, and he takes it out. But here's, here's my point. Here's my point. My point is this. Some of you are like, well, you just got to the Bible. I'm going to get to the Bible. Okay? Ephesians 6. We're going to get there. Okay? So the, the point is this, is that I actually, for a split second, was going to tolerate that snake on my porch. I was literally just going to go, I don't know. I mean, I miss creation, and, you know, they can do their, their thing. And I was like, what the heck? No, we're going to go kill this thing. This thing was above me, and I didn't even know it. And the same thing is true of the church. The enemy is operating. He's operating right now. A spirit of cynicism, a spirit of mockery, a spirit of confusion, a spirit of religion. All of that is operating right now. Right now. It's happening. It's happening. And there's this part of all of us as a church who's just like, let's just ignore it and hope it goes away. And then what happens? Our wife comes home from, from being out at the grocery store and she sees a snake, right? And, and the same thing happens in the church is that we, we let our brothers and sisters just walk right into a snake den. And we don't go, no, 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 no. The devil is a lie and we're going to expose him and he, he can't have this church. He can't have this church. Come on, come on. Somebody, somebody with me. Somebody with me. Now, I want to talk real quick. I want to talk real quick, and we're going to get to Ephesians. I want to talk about why we tolerate this, okay? Why we, don't, why we don't confront darkness. We don't want to be false or fail. We don't want to be false. I get emails all the time about being a false teacher and a false prophet because I don't, have, I don't read from a certain translation, or I don't have a physical Bible, or I don't know, I'm bald. Okay? And in this town, that, that, you know, that's just, that's just the thing. Um, you know, there are people who come to churches who just want to call out false teachers and false. And there's a part of me that's just like, oh, man, I don't, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be false. I don't want to fail. I, I don't want to try to confront darkness and, and, it, and it not work. I don't want to be the disciples who couldn't cast out the demon. And Jesus is like, oh, wow, you wicked and corrupt generation. I don't want to be that. And so there's a part of me that's just like, hey, just let him, just let him be on the porch. 
And maybe he'll get in, maybe he won't. I don't know. But I just, I don't want to be false. I don't want somebody accusing me of being a false prophet or a false teacher. And I don't think you do either. I think there's a part of you that's just like, man, I just, I just don't want that. Especially in a church, a hyper-churched area where we're always hedging ourselves to other Christians instead of just operating in authority. What, what, what would happen if there was a church who was just like, hey, brothers and sisters in Christ, we love you, we pray for you, and you don't have to. You can leave some things on the table, but this church we're just not going to. Okay, somebody's with me, somebody's with me. Next, um, we don't want to be weird or mocked. I don't, this is me. I do not want to be weird. Okay, I mean, I, when I was in, in elementary school, I was begging my mom and dad, please, please, please let me get the Jordan 1s. Of course, we didn't know they were the ones back then because they were the only ones. But anyway, you get what I'm saying. Please, please, please. And it's like, well, you know, no. You know, we can, you know, we have one car. We rent a house. We're not going to, to buy $100, $200 sneakers. So we're going to Family Dollar and you're going to get some Bobos. Right? And that's what I got, Bobos. Anybody, anybody Bobos? Bobos make your feet feel fine? Bobos cost $1.99? Okay, that's just me. All right. I don't want to be a Bobo Christian. I just don't. I don't, I don't, I don't want to be that. It's like, oh, look at his shoes. Like, look at his, you know, preachers and sneakers. He didn't get the sneaker memo, right? Oh, you got some Jordan 1s. Oh, those are, those are the Steeler colors too, man. Those are awesome. Anyway, did I just have a moment? I don't want to be weird or mocked. I don't want it. I don't want people going, he's just weird. Why? He's trying to operate. He's, man, wow, I can't. And, and then have people roll their eyes at me. I, I have, you know, and let me just be honest with you. Look, I, I would rather be, there's this part of me that just wants to be liked. And I want my peers, other leaders, spiritual leaders in the area and other preachers and, and other, other church leaders and other Christians in the area to go, he's, he's a, He's a normal guy. I don't want them to go, he's weird. He's operating in some kind of weirdness. And here's what I want to say to you. Every time that I've gotten to that, after 25 years in the same, same assignment, where I start to bump up against I don't want to be weird, it's that which God says, do you want more of the kingdom of God or do you want more people to pat you on the back and say, oh, you're good. And for me, every time I've pushed past that and just said, I'm just going to be weird. This church, our church, and my life as a Christ follower just goes to a newer and deeper place. And so here I am, I'm at this threshold moment in our church and I'm like, oh man, we did this whole series and there's demonic stuff happening in our church and it's going to get called out. And, oh, I don't know. I just don't want to do that. But in the name of Jesus, we're just going to call it out and we're going to be weird. Come on. So let me just say this. Let me just say this. We're going to be the weird church. Some of you are like, I think we already are. <laughs> we're going to be the weird church. We're going to be the weird church. But I want to be re- weird for the right reasons. I want to be weird for the right Remember, confidently and properly confidently and properly, we will confront darkness. Next and finally, we don't want to be targeted or intimidated. The moment we expose darkness, the moment we go look at that snake and say, you're not going to live here, you're not going to be near here, 
he strikes out at us. And some of you have done that. You said, I, I'm not, a, the weird thing is not my thing. I don't care if I'm weird. I'm weird. Right? And I don't care if, if people accuse me of being false. And, and sometimes I am going to fail. But man, it's hard to be targeted and intimidated by spiritual darkness. And so I just don't want to do that. And that's where some of you are today. Here's the problem. And this is the problem. We got to solve it. Jesus followers, passive and improper warfare with darkness entrenches demonic strongholds in the church right here the marriages, the families, right? It, it entrenches it and, and the community. Listen, the Harvest 72 were authorized to cast out demons. Nobody else was. The church is the only entity authorized and empowered to cast out demons. We are it, y'all. Darkness cannot cast out darkness. False religion and idolatry cannot cast out false religion and idolatry. We are the hope when we operate properly and confidently in the authority that we've been given. When we do not, when we are afraid to be false or to fail, when we are afraid to be weird and mocked, when we are afraid to be targeted and intimidated, we become passive, we become improper, and guess what? Strongholds tie up people. And in Forest, Virginia, what are the strongholds? Strongholds of divorce, strongholds of addiction. Oh man, we got pretty cars and pretty houses, but we have messed up minds and hearts and our families are falling apart. Who in the world is going to confront that? I'm telling you, pretty songs and nice sermons, they have a place, but when the authority of Christ is exercised by the body of Christ and darkness is called out, watch it. And get, I get it, I get it. Some of you are like, so what are you saying, Pastor John? I'm, I'm thumping the avocados at Kroger and all of a sudden it manifests beside me and I start calling it out on, on you know, Karen beside me. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's weird. I know. But are you going to let Karen die and go to hell? Are you going to let her marriage dissolve in her, 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 in all of the things that are clouding her mind? Are you going to let her go home and take her own life because of the voices inside of her? Or are you going to say, in the name of Jesus, come out of her, Jesus loves you, Karen. I don't know about you, but I'm ready. Yep, okay. All right, look, 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 it's getting weird. It's getting weird. This is your captain speaking. Ephesians chapter 6. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, listen, if you didn't know the day of evil has come, you don't even have to look around our community, right? You can watch the news, the terrorists that we see and, and the shock that we've seen. And it's like, that's evil, right? What, what we saw happen in Maine this past week. And it's like, we could tell story after story after story. The day of evil has come. And then we bump up against it. In, in our offices, in our homes, right? In our family members. So he says, look, put it on, put it on. Like, just like you, you would lay your clothes out, you know, the night before, you know, your workout clothes. It's like, look, I gotta lay out my workout clothes because if I don't, I will come up with a reason not to put them on and go actually exercise. And so what Paul is saying, hey, God's given you the weaponry. Put it on, put it on. 
the full armor of God, all right? Active and proper warfare, put on. Be fully aware and prepared to confront demonic manifestations in a church, in a community. Be fully aware and prepared. And that's what this is about. That's what this, I mean, if we're gonna talk about this is war, we gotta talk about what do we have to do? What, how do we need to operate? We need to put on, be fully aware and prepared to confront the demonic. When there is a snake above our head, we need to look up and go, oh, okay, we're gonna have to confront that. We're gonna have to confront that. Ephesians chapter six, let's keep going. You may be able to stand, right? Right, you put it on so that you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, he keeps talking about standing. What is he talking about? Stand firm, he says, stand your ground, stand, and then stand firm. Go ahead and put that up. Next verse, stand firm. Yeah, there we go. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. The belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place. And, and what else? With your feet fitted with the, with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So he says, truth, righteousness, and peace. Truth, that we are proclaimers of truth. Right, we stand firm in that. It is a defensive posture. It is a, I'm standing here and I am gonna defend the territory. And I'm gonna defend it first with truth. That Jesus Christ, crucified, resurrected, coming again, truth. I stand firm in that and I proclaim it. I proclaim it over situations. I proclaim it over my brothers and sisters in Christ. What else? I transform. Righteousness is the transformation of our old life that is in us that still wants to operate into a new life in Jesus Christ. The breastplate of righteousness that we, we put it on, that we walk in the transformation power. And then what else? Peace. Peace. There is something that the devil hates, and that is reconciliation and restoration of relationships. He hates it. And, and when we come to the table with the gospel of peace and we say, I am resurrected with God because of Jesus and now I want to be restored with you, I'm sorry. Just like I asked forgiveness of God and he forgave me, I want to ask it of you. I'm going to give and receive forgiveness. We are going to be a reconciliatory community. It doesn't mean we always have to be best friends walking away, but we are right with Jesus and we are right with each other. Put on the armor, stand firm. What else? Stand firm. Let's go, let's go back to that just real quick. What does that mean? It means hold back demonic lies with gospel proclamation, transformation, and reconciliation. Verse 16, let's keep going. In addition to all this, take up. So put on, stand firm, take up the shield of faith, the faith, faith in, in, in knowing that God is good and he's great and he's on the move with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows, arrows of the evil. He is shooting arrows right now. He's shooting arrows right now in this place. And what we do is we take up the shield of faith. 
We say, no, 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 you, you can't have that thought. You cannot have these emotions. You cannot have my faith in Jesus. You can't have it, devil. And, and, and as a result, I am going to know that God is good and God is great and that he is holy. And we sang about it today. With which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Verse 17, what does he say? Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit with which is the word of God. And here we go. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Some of you right now, need to just stop listening to me and start praying in the Spirit. Start praying. Holy Spirit, how do you want me to intercede right now for this situation? How do you want me to intercede for people who are about to cross a threshold? How do you want me to intercede right now from somebody who's going to go from a spirit of religion or a spirit of doubt or a spirit of atheism to a spirit of belief and faith and freedom? Start praying right now in the Holy Spirit. On all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests, with this in mind, be alert. There is a snake above your head. There is a snake in the gutter. There is a snake that you trapped but you didn't kill. Be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. Listen to this. Here's how we do battle. Church versus the demonic. Here's how we do it. We have to do it with these ideas. We confront the demonic with God's word, his scriptures, and his truth, and God's spirit, the spirit that rose Jesus from the dead that is in you and me. We take those two things and what? We confront the demonic. Who do we do it for? For God's people, for each other. And sometimes we can get caught up in our own individualistic faith. And man, that is so reiterated in our culture, isn't it? You got your personal relationship and you got your personal religion and you got your personal Jesus. What a lie. Yes, Jesus died for you and me as individuals, but he sent his spirit to a church. Yes, and we are gathered as a family. And listen, this family is dysfunctional but it is healed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what do we do? We lower our expectations of man, right? So many people have left churches because they've, they've had these God-sized expectations for, for, for believers in Jesus. Lower them. They're broken people. And man, a lot of times they're operating in righteousness, but sometimes, man, they're tripping and falling just like you and me. Lower your expectations of man, but raise your expectations of the transformation power of the gospel given through Jesus Christ's death, resurrection, and coming again, because that will change the world. Raise the expectations of that. Come on. And so, what do we do? Three things. We put on. We put it on. So I want you to go ahead and stand up. We're going to put it on. I want you right now, just in your own prayer right now. If you don't believe in Jesus, if you don't believe in Jesus, just meditate right now. Or open your mind and heart to him. Put on the armor of God right now. 
the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, the plate of righteousness, the shoes, the gospel of peace, and so on. Stand firm right now. Stand firm in the truth of Jesus Christ crucified, resurrected, and returning. Stand in the, in the truth of that. That truth right there is what transforms you and what authorizes you to go to battle for God's people with God's word and God's spirit against darkness. And so what does Jesus say in the Gospel of Luke? He says, hey, yeah, you've been given authority. Now, don't rejoice in that. That's, that's, that's your authority, and you walk in that. Rejoice in the fact that you have been rescued and redeemed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the meantime, while you celebrate that, though, set the captives free. Pray in the Spirit over one another. And if someone, if someone is oppressed, walk with them to unbind and unchain them from darkness. Speak that out properly and confidently. Properly and confidently. Properly with humility, with courage, and ultimately making Jesus the hero. You've been set free by the power of Jesus Christ, body and blood, his resurrection in the name of Jesus, the spirit of addiction, the spirit of depression, the spirit of eating disorder, the spirit of mischief, the spirit of adultery, of divorce. We bind it in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. The spirit of mockery, the spirit of religion has no place here. In the name of Jesus, it must go. It must go. In the authority of Jesus Christ. Listen. I don't even have to raise my voice. I don't even have to magnify my voice. And take up. Take it up. What are you taking up? You're taking up the Word of God, operating in the Spirit of God for the people of God. Pray in the Spirit. Some of you right now just need to come down here and you need to start renouncing things. And you just need to renounce it right now. And listen, don't get in your head about being weird or mocked. Don't let the enemy say, what if this is false? What if you fail? Don't let the fear of man, don't let his intimidation keep you from this moment where you cross a threshold and you renounce the oppression and the generational strongholds that have been on you and you walk in freedom and you reassign authority back over to Jesus. You've been walking with a limp, you've been crawling and your witness is diminished and the power that God has given you to preach the word of God, to teach the word of God, to walk in transformation has been diluted by the lies of the enemy and you just need to come down here and we're gonna get around you and pray. You just come down here right now. Look, 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 I get it, I get it. I don't like it either. I hate it when God tells me to come down here and he tells me to pray, but it's, it's in that 
in my tears, in my weeping, in my confession, that I know I'm a part of a body of believers who say, we're not playing church. We're not just singing pretty songs and hearing half-decent sermons. We're walking in the authority of Jesus. Thank you, brother. Somebody get around him. We're going to sing the name of Jesus. You need to renounce the lies. In Jesus' name, we're going to sing the name of Jesus. I pray against the spirit of pornography. It will not have the men or the women in this church anymore. We will not twist the image of God, the gift of God, of human sexuality anymore. We will operate in holiness and purity in the, in the name of Jesus. And you can, you can just pray that with me. Pray that with me. If you need to, if you know your, your brother beside you or your sister beside you is just wrestling with something, just put your hand on their, on their shoulder and pray for them right now. I want to say this to the men. Look, I get it. I understand. We want, to, we want to walk in this life like we're competent, and we don't want people to know that we have secrets. We don't want people to think that we're weak. I get it. I understand that. But listen, you can't carry that pressure. You can't carry that wound. You can't carry, carry that brokenness. It's got to be healed by something besides your competency. And so why don't you just come down here and let this church get around you, and you weep it out, and you confess it out. And you walk out of here saying, Jesus is my authority and he is my freedom. I will not walk in shame. I will not walk in blame. I will not walk in the lies of the enemy anymore. In the name of Jesus, you are set free. This is how we operate. I'm not worried about being mocked or being weird. I'm not worried about being false or failing in the name of Jesus. I renounce those things. I am not intimidated by the enemy. I am confident in the authority of Jesus Christ. We're going to sing this song. Some of you need to take communion today. But before you do that, you need to go make reconciliation with a brother or sister in Christ. I have sinned against you. I have gossiped about you. I'm sorry. I have, I have held bitterness towards you. I am so sorry. Will you forgive me? I have lied about you. I have, I have put things in my mind. I have judged you. Here's what I want to say. If you have a spirit of judgment on you, if you, want to, if, if you find yourself judging other believers and, and followers, just pray about that. Just say, Lord, do you want me to go around being judge of other people? If you do, I will. But if, if you don't, then teach me another way. And here's what he's going to say. No, I don't want you to do that. I want you to encourage people. I want you to walk with people. I want you to love people. I want you to be kind to people because it's kindness that leads to repentance, not rocks thrown at people. So maybe you need to confess that right now. I've had a spirit of judgment and I need to remove the plank from my eye. Sing the name of Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us. And a special thank you to those who give to Waymaker Church. It is because of you that our ministry is possible. Visit waymaker.church to give now. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe. You can also share it with your friends and family. Thanks again for listening. Now go make a way.